This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at Ravinia.org. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events. This is Reset. I'm Jen White. In just a bit, we'll take you inside the somewhat arcane process Illinois uses to apportion delegates in the presidential contest. But first, former Vice President Biden's campaign continues to rack up wins. A massive night for former Vice President Joe Biden. He has won Michigan, Mississippi, and Missouri. And that's not all. Biden also took Idaho and appears to have split the vote in what many thought was a Sanders stronghold, Washington State. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders added to his delegate count with that Washington split and with the win in North Dakota. But the Michigan win is huge for Biden. Sanders won the state narrowly over Hillary Clinton four years ago, and Biden's victory could play a crucial role in gaining the nomination. Here to tell us more about Biden's win in Michigan is Zoe Clark. She's co-host of Michigan Radio's It's Just Politics. Hi, Zoe. Hi, Jen. So good to be here. So tell me, four years ago, Bernie Sanders squeaked out a win over Hillary Clinton in Michigan. This time around, Biden beat Bernie badly by 17 percentage points. What happened exactly? Yeah, I mean, it was decisive. Now, polls leading up to Tuesday showed that that appeared, you know, to be happening. But polls said the same thing, Jen, four years ago. Hillary Clinton up by 20 points just days before that March 8th primary. And then Bernie Sanders won. So what happened is Biden took the state by storm, whereas Bernie Sanders four years ago uh, won all but 10 counties in Michigan. Hillary Clinton had you know only won 10. He won 73. It appears with 99 percent of the state's precincts counted that Joe Biden is going to win all 83 counties here in Michigan. What have you been able to suss out about the demographics of the voters who swung to Biden this time around? Yeah, well, I mean, we are talking about, it seems like, all the sort of demographics, right? Suburban women who are very important here in Michigan. Union voters that in 16, uh, you know, some definitely went to Donald Trump or went to Bernie Sanders. It appears that Biden is sort of reliving the the Obama uh, voters, including in the city of Detroit. Biden got nearly two times as many votes than Bernie Sanders did in the state's largest city. Zoe, how did Biden and Sanders approach campaigning in the state? Uh, differently, <laughs> uh, because one was almost non-existent. Uh, Bernie Sanders really sort of doubled down. He tripled down on the state. Um, he came in last Friday. He was here all day Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. He was in populous cities that he was hoping for big turnout. He visited Detroit. He visited Grand Rapids. He was in Ann Arbor. 
Biden, however, he just had surrogates um, up until Monday. Now, you know, he had Democratic names. John Kerry was here over the weekend, folks like that. But Biden did not come till Monday. Uh, But he did hold a rally in Detroit with Kamala Harris and Cory Booker. And so there was some question among folks who watched these things. Were we going to see 2016 again? Was Biden sort of taking Michigan for granted? But uh, it turns out he was not. What does that tell you about where voters are in Michigan? The fact that Biden did not have a a heavy presence there himself. Mm -hmm. He had surrogates there. But that Bernie Sanders really poured a lot of energy to the state but couldn't get the votes. Yeah, I mean, I think you can take two things away. You can say, one, that Joe Biden was not Hillary Clinton. Uh, and you can have a, a whole hour or two conversation on reset about that and, and the differences in candidates there. The other is the fact that it appears that Michigan Democrats uh, voters are seriously fed up with Donald Trump. And whereas there was a possibility in 16, uh, I will always say you've probably heard me say this before. That was not that Donald Trump won Michigan, but Hillary Clinton lost Michigan. Right. And so it appears that Biden got the turnout in a way that Hillary Clinton did not and that Democrats are frustrated and maybe Biden was not their first choice or their second choice or their third choice or their fourth choice, but they are falling in line, right? The old adage is Democrats fall in love, not in line. But it appears that is what they are doing here with Joe Biden because of frustration against Donald Trump. Let's talk about the youth turnout in Mm -hmm. in Michigan because Bernie Sanders has really made a strong argument for being able to call out young voters, bring them to his campaign, bring them to his side. Did that happen in Michigan? So it's really interesting because that is what we had also heard for days, right? That the youth vote, um, particularly because Michigan also, aside from uh, okaying a no reason absentee ballot in 18, also okayed same day voter registration, of which 13,000 new voters took part in the day of. And there was lines that we saw outside of college campuses, right, that we assumed and then an exit polls found out that did go for Bernie Sanders and turn up turnout was up, but it did not help Sanders, right? Mm -hmm. Turnout was up, but it still went for Biden. And so you've got to decide, was this just a vocal minority? Um, But the coalition was not what it was for Bernie Sanders in 16. And some of that included the youth vote. So Michigan is a manufacturing state, Mm -hmm. long history with the automotive industry. How did those voters play into this race? Well, I I think you can't discount that, right? And uh, Joe Biden certainly didn't. You probably remember, uh, you know, Joe Biden here in Michigan, uh, Barack Obama here in Michigan, uh, you know, during their administration. And and the line during the federal bailout was, Osama bin Laden is dead and General Motors is alive. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of auto workers are remembering that and remembered that about Joe Biden and some union voters, right, who did crossover and and vote for Trump, um, it appears that Biden was able to grab back that vote. Now, Biden was endorsed by several of the previous previous Democratic uh, candidates that have since dropped out of the race. Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, more recently, Cory Booker and Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. Do you think those endorsements are part of why we're seeing this momentum behind Biden right now? 
Yes. I don't think you can discount it. And part of that we know because, again, the absentee ballots tell us something. So here in Michigan, as I keep talking about these absentee (laughs) ballots, but it is important to know that uh, folks were turning in absentee ballots. But then you are also in Michigan allowed to do what's called spoiling a ballot. So in Michigan, there were still more than a dozen presidential candidates on the ballot. And some folks voted absentee two weeks ago for Pete Buttigieg Mm -hmm. or Elizabeth Warren. But then they came back and they spoiled their ballots, which means they went to their city clerk and said, look, I don't want to, you know, have my vote not counted. I want to get it back. And it looks like a majority of those folks went towards Joe Biden. And I think this goes back to maybe not my first choice, maybe not my second choice, maybe not my third choice, but that they are going to fall in line. And so a lot of those folks, the Amy Klobuchar's, the Elizabeth Warren's, the Pete Buttigieg's, on and on, appear to have decided that their second choice, at least between Bernie and Joe, was Joe. So to the surprise of many, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders only secured a win in North Dakota. He's also had slightly in Washington state where votes are still being counted. At this point, how difficult would it be for Sanders to bounce back and win the nomination? Well, I mean, I keep an eye on Michigan, and so I want to be careful talking nationally. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Biden needs fewer than half of the delegates left. And I just what folks are saying what I mean, I can even say looking at math, I'm not, you know, math major or anything, (laughs) poli sci here, but is the pathway right to get the nomination for him just doesn't appear to be there. And I think it was telling last night that after Biden's win in Michigan, and as you mentioned, other states, Bernie Sanders chose not to speak. I mean, I think that is telling and not just in that, you know, coronavirus fears and maybe they didn't want to have rallies. I mean, you know, Biden delivered his speech not in front of an audience. Um, I think it is telling. And I think we've got to wait the next couple of days to see to see what happens for Bernie Sanders. But I mean, anyone who's just looking at the delegate math. It is very difficult to see a path forward for Bernie Sanders. Well, next week, our state, Illinois, along with Arizona, Ohio and Florida, will all hold primary elections. There's still a general election ahead. Oh, right. Remember that? Remember that. Yeah. Coming around November. (laughs) What will you be watching for? Oh, my gosh. I mean, for Michigan, it is, you know, just can Trump do it again? We went six presidential election cycles going to Democratic presidential nominees. Uh, Donald Trump stopped that in 2016. And so it is going to be fascinating to watch whether Democratic voter turnout uh, does what it appears to have done in the primary, does what it appeared to do in 2018. We had the highest uh, voter turnout for a mid-year election in decades and decades in Michigan in 18, and Democrats basically swept all the statewide races. So, you know, that that is telling and, and portends that Michigan could possibly, if, you know, election held in the next few days, go blue. But as you say, uh, November is a long way off. That's Zoe Clark. She's co-host of Michigan Radio's It's Just Politics. Zoe, thanks so much. Oh, Jen, always a pleasure. Okay, let's stick with politics. When you turn on your TV on the night of a presidential primary, you tend to hear a lot of this. We take a look, uh, and let's do a delegate uh, track right now as we take a look at the delegates so far tonight. How big was his victory here? How many delegates is he going to pull from the 415? The delegate race, Joe Biden leading Bernie Sanders. But does that leave you wondering exactly how delegates work in Illinois and around the country? WBEZ politics reporter Becky Vivi is here to break it all down for us. Hey, Becky. Hey, Jen. So for folks who need a refresher or just don't know, what is a delegate? So a delegate is a person who attends the Democratic or Republican National Convention 
to cast a vote for a candidate to become the party's official nominee. And what is the difference between how Republicans and Democrats select delegates? It actually changes every election slightly, but um, I guess the main difference is Republicans, it's a smaller number per state, and there are some that are voted on at the district level, and then there are some automatic ones, but um, Democrats have a a bit more complicated processes, which is what I've kind of been reporting on. So if you look at at your ballot, how many delegates will you see? So if you pull a a Republican ballot, you'll have three options most likely in your district. And then if you pull a Democratic ballot, you could have anywhere between a couple to I think 44 is the most that you're going to see in Chicago. Um, And that I was told by the Board of Elections is the most they've had, at least in recent memory. Um, And that is a function of how large the field of candidates was at the start of this process. And as a voter, you get that ballot. When you choose a delegate, what are you actually selecting? What are you choosing? So you're choosing the person that you want to be the representative. Um, You can choose up to, okay, so let's say you have the 44. Mm -hmm. You can choose up to eight. You might only know two of them, and you really like those two, and you think they're the person you want to send to the convention to cast their vote for Bernie Sanders, for instance. You're voting for that representative. It's a function of our sort of representative democracy is how I've been kind of just explaining it to folks. But with 40 potentially 40 delegates on your ballot, there's a good chance you are not going to know who these people are. Exactly. So how do you find out more about the people who you potentially are sending to the convention? Well, this sounds probably kind of crude, but I would Google their names Mm. um, and figure out sort of, you know, what do they, what are they involved in in your community? Um, For example, on my ballot, some of my options are aldermen or former aldermen, um, people who are involved in politics, um, committee people, if you're familiar with sort of the committee structure here in Chicago. Um, and then there are also just people who might be your neighbor or they might be a friend of a friend or, you know, you just kind of have to do a little bit of research to find out who are these folks and and who do I want to send. Um, there's an interesting a piece I'll get to later, but the Democrats have a, a, a certain um, system in which they try to balance the gender also. Mm-hmm. So if you're a woman voter and you want to send women in particular, you might want to you know make sure you're selecting the women options for a certain candidate. And can anyone run to become a delegate? You just have to be a, a registered voter. Okay. Now, delegates are there to uh, basically represent a specific candidate. Correct. But what happens if a delegate's preferred candidate drops out of the race. So this is something very interesting. So um, all delegates behind their name, you'll see in parentheses who they're quote unquote pledged to. Um, They're not required or legally bound to to vote for that person. um, But you'll see a bunch. That's why we have so many. So we have like eight people pledged to Elizabeth Warren. Now, the only way that they're going to at this point still get to go to the convention is if Elizabeth Warren somehow still pulls down 15% of the vote. That's not likely to happen. However, in previous states that have voted, she she did pull that down. That's how she still has delegates on the board. Um, and those people are, you know, officially or, or, you know, at this point going to go to the convention and they will get to vote who they want when they get there. Um, so if a, if a preferred candidate drops out, that their delegates basically become free agents. Hmm. Um, But if you're in Illinois, I should say, if you see this list of 40-something on your ballot, um, and some of them are Andrew Yang or Elizabeth Warren pledged delegates or Amy Klobuchar or Pete Buttigieg, 
casting a ballot for a delegate who is pledged to one of those candidates now um, is pretty unlikely that they'll they have any chance of going because it's very unlikely any of those candidates will pull down 15 percent of the vote here in Illinois. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the threshold the delegate needs to go to the convention is 15% of the vote. The, the threshold that the candidate, the candidate needs, needs. The in order for any of their delegates to be in play. 15%. Yeah. And you think the likelihood of someone who's already dropped out of the race to get that 15% is pretty low. Yeah. And so do party leaders that I've spoken to and even the delegates. You know, I spoke to some Warren delegates and they said, you know, when she dropped out, they're like, you know, I'm going to throw my support now behind people who are a Sanders delegate or a Biden delegate because they're the only delegates really left in the game. If that makes sense. Like yeah. you're looking at a roster of a team and only some are going to be able to play. OK, so Illinois has 184 delegates this primary season and they're allocated, allocated from a number of different sources. Mm-hmm. Tell us about them, how they're selected. Sure. So 101 of those 184 are the ones you get to vote for on your ballot. Those will be selected by district, by congressional district. The rest are divvied up in a couple of different ways. 29 are automatic delegates. These are party leaders. This is the governor. They're going to go no matter what. And they will, likely tradition tells us, will vote for whoever gets the popular vote here in in Illinois. There are also delegates called at-large delegates, also determined by statewide vote. And then there are, similar to the automatic delegates, 20 party leader delegates, but they are pledged to specific candidates. So mayors and uh, county board chairs. So think of Mary Lori Lightfoot. She will pledge herself to a person and they become this sort of pledged party leader delegate. Explain what's going on with superdelegates. So I'm going to actually have Mary Morrissey, the executive director of the Illinois Democratic Party, explain that for us. First of all, there are no longer anything called superdelegates. There is something called automatic delegates, and the automatic delegates are the members of Congress, the Democratic members of Congress from the state, uh, the members of the Democratic National Committee from the state, if there's a Democratic governor in the state, um, and former presidents and vice presidents, and there's a few other categories like former you know, majority leaders in the Senate, for instance. So this is a change from the last presidential cycle. Yeah, so it's a change sort of in terminology, but also in rules. She got a little more detailed with me about how these automatic delegates, um, like they will go to the convention. They, if there is any question ahead of time, like if we might be in a split sort of situation, if those delegates... Um, if their votes would sway the result one way or another, they won't vote in the first round of voting at the convention. Uh, again, a lot of this is sort of traditions and um, uh, systems that are meant to achieve a democratic result at mm. the end, if you will. So once we get to the Democratic National Convention up in Milwaukee in July, you mentioned part of how the process might play out. Mm-hmm. But can you explain a little bit more? Yeah. So... What I would start by saying is that the parties see the conventions as a unifying party, um, an event that can bring everybody together to coalesce around the official nominee. Um, Going into conventions, the parties want a 
basically sort of a presumptive nominee, um, especially with the delegate count and the race to get the 191 that Mm -hmm. a Democrat needs, that the whole idea of the convention is to sort of rally around that person ahead of the general election. There are official rules on paper about how the voting rounds work. But when they actually play out and what you might see on TV is like, they'll say, how does the delegate from Illinois, how do the delegates of Illinois vote? And you'll just hear like, yeah, Biden, you know, like they, <laughs> right. they, they cheer on the floor. It's not uh, necessarily sort of like a secret ballot round thing that goes on. Um, but there on paper is like a first round and a second round. Should there not be somebody with a majority and we do go into a convention, what's called a brokered convention mm-hmm. or sort of a split convention, those rules on paper might come into play a lot more. So this is a very complicated process. Yes. <laughs> if people want to learn more, any resources you want to point them to? Well, I would say uh, take, a, take a look at our website. I did a, a explainer, if you will, about this. There's also links embedded in that story to other outlets coverage of this delegate uh, count. Politico has a great tracker. Um, New York Times has a great tracker. And also the parties. I mean, if you have questions, feel free to ask, you know, people who knock on your door or people who are out campaigning, feel free to ask them for clarity about how to how to handle this section of the ballot. And you can head over to WBEZ.org to find those resources. That's WBEZ City Politics reporter Becky Vivi giving us an explainer about how delegates work <laughs> in Illinois and beyond. Becky, thanks. Thank you. And that's today's Reset. Join us again tomorrow for more stories that make you think about how we work, play, and yes, even vote here in Chicago. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and let's talk again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.